This episode is powered by denmeditation.com with locations in Los Angeles that normalize meditation and make it available to all. Though meditation is the primary focus, the bigger goal is for people to understand and love themselves, thus creating more harmony in the community at large. To find out more about Den Meditation's teacher training programs, retreats, and all things Den Meditation, go to denmeditation.com. Hey guys, welcome to Den Talks. This is Tal. Today we have Shaman Dirk here and we talk about everything. He is a third generation shaman. He believes that everybody deserves happiness. Everybody can attain it. And he gives us tips on how that is even possible. We talk about ego, how it drives us, how we can deal with it, how we can have conversations with it. We talk about how he does not believe in forgiveness. What does that mean? When do you hear healers say that? And we also talk about the fact that he doesn't believe in karma. There's so much juicy stuff in this episode to soak up and learn from. Just sit back, enjoy it, and just take in what you might want, pen and paper. You may want to listen to this a couple times. But no matter what, at the end, he also does his personal practice, which is kind of leading me through, he calls it spirit hacking. And it is an impressive exercise on how you can tap into your ancestors and your spirit guides, what have you. And so it's a really beautiful exercise that you can do at home as well. You tout yourself as a women empowerment leader. So how do you bring that forward? Why do you feel like it's you, it's part of your job for women empowerment? Like, why is that your role and how do you connect with it? So when I was young, um, when I was like really young teenager, whatever, I was a woman abuser. I used to hurt women, call them names, you know, every type of derogatory statement you can take to a woman, I was that guy. And I learned it from my father. I watched my father's misogynist behavior towards my mom, leading to divorce. What was his background? Was he? African. He's African, African and Haitian. Haitian. I remember yeah. Haitian. I'm like, Haitians yeah. are tough. Yeah, he's very tough. Yeah. And he didn't show emotions. It was always like his law or there was th- that was it in the way mm-hmm. in our home. So I watched my mom get literally pushed out of the home because of his behavior. And then he took out all of his issues, all of his pain, all of his anguish that my mom left him on my sister. So I watched my sister go through constant turmoil in our home because her being a female. I mean, everything from embarrassment to when she first got her period, he made, he, he felt disgusted by it. So he's like, cover it up. And I was watching, I mean, I even wrote an article about it, about how it made me feel and how I wrote an article about it, like women, you know, bleed free, you know, and, <laughs> and walk into a room and say, do you need it? I need a tampon and you don't need to whisper it anymore. I know it is so true as women, like, you, especially when you're like first getting a period, you like hide if you have to like go buy it. It's like embarrassing in the beginning to be that person buying it, which is the most ridiculous. Which thing. is so ridiculous, but that's the stigmatism. Cut that to being in your forties and going to the Seven Eleven and throwing it right on the counter. There you go, <laughs> old school style. Yeah. Right. So I grew up that that guy, and then when I saw my father hurt my sister to a point at one point where it was to the point where her life was almost taken. I snapped and this woman inside of me woke up and literally spoke to him and said, I am an ancient woman. I have come to, um, I'm in a part of this body. I'm a composite being. You will never put your hand on How me How old were you at this time? 14 years old. Okay. And I immediately snapped. And from that moment, I started working in battered women shelters. I started doing women outreach. I started changing my whole view. I apologized to all my girlfriends that I was abusive Were you to. aware, like when you say this voice came out and I said, I'm this woman, were you, were you aware what was happening? I was watching it take over me. It like completely took over me. I was such a masculine male. I was the kind of guy that would punch holes. I rode my skateboard. I would like ride dirt bikes with my friends. Were you an angry kid? I was very angry. Just yeah. because there was like not a lot of emotion. I was love. angry because I had these powers as a shaman. 
I have a divide in my family. You have the shamanic side of our family and we have a religious side of our family because the, my grandfather decided to divide the family by making everyone go into Catholicism, then into Seventh-day Adventist. So everyone became hardcore Seventh-day Adventist. And then the other side is all like connecting to the old ways of our family. So, And by you say other side, is it split by people or split within each person? Split within each person okay. and within people. Okay. So we had one, the side that chose the religion became very aristocratic, became very successful in life, lots of money, very wealthy, like my aunt, who was the world's greatest opera singer, you know, like everyone on that side became very, like, you know, influential. Well, they and had like, God. You know, yeah, because they, they see they, that's how they saw. And then the other ones lived out in the country and they lived like they didn't have a lot of money and they, you know, they suffered a lot um, financially, but they kept very strong to the roots of our heritage. So it was a beautiful thing to see. But at the same time, it was a divide. And my father was trying to divide it within me. So I was dealing with that. Plus, I was dealing with the fact that my stepmom, who my dad married after my mom left, was from Hawaii. She was Catholic and she's um, she's Hawaiian, Filipino and Japanese. And she was hardcore. So everything with her was about beatings and hammering me and like anything she could do to try to break the human spirit, she was on board. So there was like physical abuse. Too. A lot of physical. On both sides. Uh, huge amount. Where was your mom? Is she, in is New she York. still in the picture? Yeah. She moved to New York, but my father was um, was a multimillionaire at the time. And he used all his money and power to, to, to kind of push her aside and make her not have a voice not be able to communicate with us unless he decided. There were times where I would cry as a kid and, and he'd be like, stop crying, boys don't cry. I'll give you 10 seconds to knock that crying off. I'll give you something to cry about. And you know what I'm saying? My dad was born 1925. You know, I, my dad too. Yeah, so, so they were like- So literally 20, yeah, my yeah. dad's 91, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it. my dad was like 1925, 1924, something like that. I remember just I looking on his thing. So they lived in a time where horses were the first thing that they got on before mm. they, there was no cars. I remember my dad told me his first car, he had to like wind it up, take tip his hat off to the girl who was in the front seat and be like, um, miss, Mrs., hold on a moment. And he would wind up the car and get back in. It would be jumping up and down as yeah. he went down the street. So he couldn't understand what was going on with me. He was only acting in the way that he understood. When did your mom, when was your mom, when did your mom go to New York? Like how old were you? When I that? was about three and a half when she left. And are you close with your mom now? Mm -hmm. Like, is she a nurturing? Like, is that something that would have been actually very nurturing She's very for you? nurturing. And it just wasn't allowed in your life? No, there was no nurture. Right. So. Like no one put their arms around me. I never felt a hug or. Because it was kind of similar in my household too a little bit. It was a little bit tougher as far as emotion, not as um, intense as yours, it sounds like. But people don't realize like what that actually does to a child. Immediately. It's so simple what a child needs. But yeah. But yet for some people, it's so complicated to give. Yeah. You know, I watch people say, you know, especially in religion, they'll say like, oh, you have to forgive, you have to forgive, you have to forgive. No, you don't. Mm -mm. Do you feel Because if you forgive someone, if we look at things from a true point of view, like energy, universe, consciousness, psychology, emotional awareness, and emotional intelligence. The moment you go into forgiving someone, you are creating one who is right and one who is wrong. And in that moment, you create what is called a magnetic duality. In that second, you've taken you and the other person and tied you together in that energy of that memorance of that situation. So forgiveness puts you in a purgatory type dualistic state. Acceptance. I was going to say it's acceptance more appropriate. Acceptance yeah. allows each party to be free. I accept that it happened. It sucked. I was aware of it. It happened. I'm taking this experience of acceptance and I'm taking from it 
and seeing the blessing of it. So by embracing that, I was blessed for being molested. I was blessed by going through those beatings. I was blessed by those things because in that blessing are my diamonds, my gems, my rubies, my stones, and all the beautiful things that I get to share with the world and bring knowledge, wisdom to people in a non-judgmental way if I'm able to go into that place of acceptance. Well, I mean, I also think by accepting the situation, you accept the person, which I think is one of the most beautiful things you can do, not only for someone else, but for yourself. Absolutely. It just makes life so much easier because you release the burdens. Yeah, and I also feel that by accepting that, it's actually, by having that experience, it has given me such a proclivity of information and data that runs through my, my whole operating system. So when I go to countries where I'm dealing with ISIS or I'm dealing with, you know, um, mafia bosses who are sitting in front of me or gang members in Juarez or prisoners who've raped people and engage in conversation with the pharmaceutical company in Iceland or whatever it is that I'm engaging in, I'm not sitting there with judgment. I'm sitting there with, I want to understand you. I'm, I'm going to embrace you. I'm going to embrace you in your wholeness with unconditional love and get into a conversation with you without judgment so that I can really understand the depth of where you're coming from and where your mind structure is so that I can assist you to alleviate on some level or to change your whole entire paradigm or how I can understand where you're coming from so I can make decisions on how I'm going to bring that knowledge and information to the greater whole. I understand that women have gone through a lot of things, but we're not claiming women victory over being a victim and who's the greatest victim. Everyone's like, okay, I was, I'm a better, I was more victimized than that person. So I should get more attention. Right. And it's like, no, it's like w- women understanding that using victim as in victim empowerment is not serving women. What serves women is going into a conversation about what caused the victim energy and what choices they have and what they can make as individuals to empower one another to come out of that and never go back in it. Well, I've also, I mean, I'm looking at Reem because she hears me like about all this stuff here, like for the year, but the Me Too stuff, I used to also say, it's, I mean, it's amazing what's happening and it's incredible. Yeah. But I mean, I come from entertainment. So to see my old world slowly actually putting in what's the word, like actual paradigms for people to understand and know what's like right or wrong, I think is going to be hugely helpful. But besides that, you know, there's a lot of talk about men need to be raised differently, which is true. It's a huge thing of to be able to raise a man in a way of understanding respect from day one is a lot easier for them. I was saying, but the piece for me that was missing in the conversation was because I had it and I find myself very lucky is they need to be raising women differently too. I was like raised by a really strong woman who like taught me to be super strong, always trust myself. Like I could say no, like a lot of those situations, yes. like I probably wouldn't have put myself you in. Been at 12 no, look, sometimes night there's situations you absolutely can't help and there's physical things. I'm not even touching on that. I, guys, I, I have the same thing with that belief. Right. And yeah. it's awful. Yes. But then there's also times where I'm like, no, I wouldn't have given a shit that I wasn't going to get that job. Like, I wouldn't have cared. It wouldn't have been worth it to me. It wouldn't have been worth it to me because of how I was raised and the confidence I had in myself. So I, I like, praise my mom every single day for that. Let's but, clap and let's, let's high-five that. No, but it's true. But it's, yeah. like, what I find is missing from the conversation is, like, you also have to raise women to know that. 100%. So that that will also change the conversation. Again, I'm not – that's not condoning any of the behavior that's been happening. But no. there's, like, three parts to it, I feel there, like. There's, 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 like a, there's a container for both. It's the container yeah. of – Young girls are raised with the idea that their antiquation of value comes from what they can give, what they can do, and what they can provide. So they grow up building this self-image of, I have to look beautiful, I have to be like this, I have to be like that, I have to be 
worthy enough for someone to love me. So that whole antiquation creates a discord already in the fabric of women. And I was talking to Paul Hawkins, who's an amazing world scientist who got together with 250 other scientists to figure out like, what is the big reason for global warming? And they did the hard math. And the math was simple. It's the way we're raising women. And it's the way that women feel empowered. And it's because the core energy of women are the cornerstones of society. And it's funny because in shamanism, it's the same thing. Women are the cornerstones of society. So if a woman is operating from her true intuition, where she's operating, where she doesn't feel like someone's telling her you're going crazy because men can't handle it because we weren't taught to emote. We weren't taught to to express our feelings. We were told that we had to be strong in all situations and show no sign of weakness. This is what our this is what we learned about being men and being around other boys. So when we're growing up with other boys, we show weakness, we get beat up. Mm -hmm. So we immediately create this very strong shield and like we feel all kinds of crazy emotions going on inside. Like sometimes I talk to my male buddies, like when I talk to Sam, I talk to any of my male buddies, even like my macho Italian brothers, they're just like, I'm freaking out right now, you know, but they're not going to ever let you know that. Then they're just going to be like, yeah, mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm, yeah, I get it. You know, but they really don't because they don't know how to emote right. because we weren't, and we, and women get way more affection than we do. We only get affection from the time from our mothers. If our mothers give it to us, and when we have children. So what would you say then to, about women who were raised kind of in that way as well? Like there are women who were raised like emotions, not exactly, you know, don't show too much tough. What do you think about that as far as that energy coming to where it is? Do you think that energy is also still helpful or do you think they fall more in than the male energy camp? I think that when it comes to women, that is also destructive to them as well, too, because women should feel this for their strength. They should acknowledge their wisdom. But the main teaching of women should be about how to honor their intuition beyond all things, because women operate from a quantum level of intuition where they see quantumly. Men oper um, operate linear in the linear perspective. So whenever a man looks at a situation, he's looking at how it's benefiting him and what's going and how it's affecting him moving forward. When a woman looks at a situation she sees it from the quantum level all the possible dangers how could it affect someone how does it hurt that person how does it hurt them what are the things that could possibly change what are the things that can't change so they need to feel safe to express themselves without fear without the idea that they're going to be shut down cut off not have a voice not be seen and not be heard and if you look at relationships like the number one relationships that serve that work on planet earth is when a man is actually feels this, the ability to feel safe to know that he can express himself without getting in trouble and that whatever he says even if it sounds stupid or not you're not going to laugh at him you're going to actually be like oh honey i really appreciate you saying that i love listening to you it makes him feel but for men they like to be told things like you're amazing you're beautiful <laughs> you did such a great job this is what makes men light up but for women they need to be heard and seen so when women feel that they can be heard and seen, it opens up um, their, their ability to be comfortable in their intuition, comfortable with their sensorium. And women have a higher um, ability in their amygdala to sense energy than we men do. That's why if you go to the jungle, you go to nature, you go to the Amazon, you go to the forest, you go to places where it's rural land, you can see when there's a predator nearby, all of the female anim animals respond first. The men after, that's why men get eaten first. All right. Because the women are the ones who, the female um, um, animals are there to protect their offspring. So they have a higher sense awareness because they have to protect not only their offspring, they have to protect all of the beings that they brought in. So in tribal culture, you have women who tell the chief 
this is where we should put our um, or this is where we should put ourselves because it's close to the water. It's close to me getting berries. It's close for me for for the hunting for the for those who hunt, and it's it's close for me to find protection for 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 my 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 offspring. What is your view on kind of I don't know the right word of asking it, like existence or evolution or why people are here? Like, what is your view or belief system in how you come down? Do you believe it and like you choose your life? Do you believe in karma? Do you believe in you're put here for a reason? What is your take on it? Because to me, it, it really intertwines with a lot of what you're talking about. I don't believe in karma. Okay. I think karma was created from uh, two energy frequencies of the idea that which we people hold ourselves in on earth was the idea of duality, which is you have to work in order to be something and you have to create something in order to achieve something. And through that, if you live a certain life, then you get rewarded. It's a very Santa Claus mentality. I agree. Me. I don't believe in karma either. Someone actually just told me a really sad story the other day of they were in India with a family member and, um, you know, India can be a tough place to visit for people who yeah. are especially not used to third world. And when the kids were like begging and clamoring, anyone who's never been to India, like the kids will come around you and ask for money. And it can be very unsettling for a lot of people. The response of this person was, God, what they must have done in a past lifetime to deserve this. And it made my heart sink because I'm like, well, again, it depends how you look at it. They could actually have, there's different ways you could have chosen that this is the life they want to live because they're learning from it. They could maybe be, if you believe in many lifetimes towards the end of it, because they know they actually don't need much in order to get to where they're going. So that's why I'm actually asking you a little bit of your thoughts. So sorry to, to segue a little bit, but segue all you want. (laughs) So going back to what I was saying, and like, even let's take, for instance, the kids in India, you know, what I believe is that we came here. This is an evacuation mission. I believe that our spirits are so much more stronger and powerful than this biological space too, that we chose to come into this area of the universe to bring light into this area. I think this area of the universe is held in density, mm-hmm. which has now been scientifically proven that there are what we call dark matter. There's high, vibra- uh, there's high levels of dark matter in this area of the universe, as opposed to where the Hubble has gone and other areas of the universe where there's light nebuluses, where dark matter isn't as strong. Also, the consciousness of human beings I believe that on the other side where we come from, which is light, our brothers and sisters fell into that darkness. And because the light operates in the synthesis of its frequency, if you are a person who dies and you can't accept the life that you lived and what you did when the when the blinders get removed, you can't pass into the light until you bring resolution to letting go. You have to, everything's about letting go, letting go. And so I believe that the darkness that inhabits this planet are the beings that couldn't let go. And they're sharing their stories with us by tapping into frequency algorithms within our consciousness because most human beings don't even know how the brain works. They don't even know that there are synthesis, there are frequency codes, there are you know um, binary codes, there's pattern exchanges, there's color exchanges, sound exchanges. The core energy of that darkness is infiltrating into the minds of people sharing their story in hopes that we become enlightened enough to recognize that we are true beings of love. So anything that we hear that it's a distorted pattern, we immediately engage with from a place of love and therefore communicate to that spirit who's bringing that information through and bring them to the light. So that way we're saying you come to the light. And so that's what I believe we're here to So is it a little bit of like a greater consciousness? It's like kind of 
when energy is put out there, it exists. And is that a little bit of what you're talking about too? Well, everything in the universe is quantum and then there's folds in space and then there's what are called dimensional space grids. That means that everything exists. Everything you could ever think of. A unicorn, people say unicorns. A unicorn exists. It just exists in another dimension. Someone had a a meditation or something, Uh, tapped in, saw it, and started drawing it and brought the image into our world. But it does exist. And in shamanism... The way we look at everything and is that we see everything that exists in all places. So we don't discredit anything from existing. And so when someone tells me something, I'm not like, oh, really now, huh? Like I'm fully present with them and going like, okay, so this is what happened to you. Now let's look at how we can journey and navigate through what you're talking about and find the secret powers or energies or things that are being, being sent to you. Because I want to bring this back to a little bit of the talk of good and evil and judgment. Mm-hmm. Because I think to me, that's that's why I was asking about like your belief on it, because I think it is a really hard structure to break down good and evil. I mean, you and I were chatting about it a little bit earlier of like voting a certain way too. That's a very simple version of it, but like accepting people's points of view. And let's go to the extreme of like murder, someone killing someone. How do you look at that without the judgment of evil and negative and bring to it full love and acceptance in the structure of what our society is today? Well, most people, when they look at murder, they're looking at it from their third finite mind. They're looking at it from the constructs that they were taught in the education of duality that they were brought into when they came to earth. So the consciousness of their mainframe or their perception, as I would say, is based in the idea that there is good and evil. So in shamanism, we don't look at things like that. We see distortion, meaning that something that is distorted from the frequency of love. and But we don't see it as this evil thing. We see it as a pattern or an, uh, an incorrect data line, and we bring that data back into its original form. So every dark energy can return back to love. How would you use this bigger concept of good and evil to help people start learning kind of self-love and moving forward in their life and taking steps forward? Well, I wouldn't even use the concept of good and evil. I'd use the concept of perception. And it's really trauma is drama. Because the reason why people, when people go through some painful experience, the pain is is relative based upon how they're perceiving it. So like when a baby falls off a chair, you can jump up and scream and the baby will start crying. Or you can start laughing about it and the baby will laugh about it and not even feel the pain. You see, we become a society of people who are constantly reactive and we're not using emotional intelligence to really gauge and observe what is happening in, in in our stratosphere, what's happening in our environment and so forth. So every time someone goes through a breakup, they go, oh my God, I'm in so much pain and did that. But what they don't realize is that they were to like pull back their reaction and sit with it. They realize that the reason why they're hurt is not really so much because of the breakup, because if there was a breakup, that means that not only did that person be unhappy, they were were also also unhappy. unhappy. So the core energy would be to look at the fact that it's their ego that's getting upset because the (laughs) ego is had all this investment. The ego's like, well, I invested my money. I invested my time. I invested my body. I invested my everything. So it's the ego that is upset. So once you talk to the ego and explain to it that this is a great thing, that's why I always tell people, stop having, like, we have so many birthday parties and they're so overrated. It's time for breakup <laughs> parties. Oh, I agree. You know, celebrate. like celebrate. Like I told my friend, it's like, have a breakup party. Like, we'll go and get you gifts that are about moving you forward. Because what you're basically saying is 
I accept the, the, the evolution of my being to move into a new energy and I let go. The reason why people suffer is because evolutionary energy is constantly flowing. But if you're holding on to that rock, you're going to get thrown under the, the wave, dragged across the rocks. You, that's where the tumultuous situation comes through. You have to learn to trust and know that your spirit knows exactly that this is happening. Either one, because this is going to be something that you do in the future that's going to like the greatest gift that Gandhi got was getting beat up on first class and tossed from the train for him to be able to help liberate the people in India. Like that was such a gem, right? But if the perception was like, oh my God, I got beat up and tossed from the train. Life eh. sucks. Nothing's ever going to happen for me. Yeah, exactly. Then your perception is off. But what he saw it as is he saw it as a gift. Mandela even said, when I was living in Italy, I used to go to Tuscany and I had a friend she had this beautiful castle in, 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 in Montipo, in Scansano. And she would have all these amazing people come to her dinner table. So I got to meet the most beautiful, beautiful people. And one guy came and he was Nelson Mandela's autobiographer. And we had a four-hour conversation. And what I found very fascinating was how he would explain to me how everything that was painful that Nelson Mandela went through, he saw it as a blessing to do what he's come to do to help the people. It's so interesting because I have this conversation with people all the time. A, I mean, you've touched on a few things, but ego and also just perception and how you can how you look at it. I mean, I say it a lot, even on this podcast, where one of my pet peeves, and I've always struggled with, are people who tended to be depressed or sad or shit isn't going their way, automatically think that people who have a quote unquote good life or a happy life are very lucky. And that to me just drives me crazy. Cause I'm like, no, there's people who've probably been through more shit than you who have really happy lives because they're choosing how they look at it and choosing how they're putting one foot in front of the other. So I definitely want to talk about that. But ego, I find fascinating too, because I think it's really hard for people to differentiate what's ego and what is actually truly themselves. I mean, I always say it all the time. People ask me when I got fired from my last job, how was it? Were you okay? I'm like, I was actually really okay. I knew when it was happening. That's exactly what I wanted. I knew when it was happening. I didn't have the balls to pull the trigger. And so I was actually very thankful it was being pulled for me. I was like, but I still had an ego. And I knew the minute it was happening, my ego was going to have to heal. And I was going to have to give my ego time to heal. But I knew it was all ego. It wasn't me. And then they go, well, how was it? I go, frankly, it didn't take very long. And I think part of the reason it didn't take very long is because I was so aware it was my ego and nothing else. And honestly, it was like within days, it was like less than a week. And I was like, oh, I'm good. <laughs> and super happy, yeah. never looked back. And I think part of it was because I had this weird awareness of, oh, this is my ego. That's super sad and like feeling shitty right now. It has nothing to do with me. I know I'm actually really good. So let me let it like be a child and have its temper tantrum. And then once it's done, it's done. But how can you teach people how to differentiate what is ego and what is them? So it's super easy. So first of all, we have to understand what the ego is. And so in shamanism, we have this belief about the egos. A lot of times I'll hear people say, you've got to kill your ego. you got to kill your ego. You can't kill your ego. Your, no, ego, is, your ego was created. I call it the great paperweight. It was created to get us to attach the things so we can fully evolve through those things, experience them and, and, and go through them and then let go. It's so, also strong as fuck. <laughs> yeah. And the ego's job is whatever you give it. So if you, if you have your ego sitting in lower, lower uh, consciousness, which is based in fear, insecurity, I'm not good enough. That person's better than me. I have to, I have to put other people down to make myself feel better. I have to buy a lot of things. So it makes me look, feels like I'm better than everyone or that I have, I've achieved something that's lower ego. Lower ego needs to be able to have more attachments, more possessions, more ways to be different from another person in order to feel good. A higher ego is about recognizing that you have 
have what you need. You're on the right path. Everything is always working out for your highest good. And you all, you can lift and shift people to higher possibilities by constantly being there and showing up and being this vessel of love and, and this vessel of giving and this vessel of blessing people up in, 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 in your life. So the ego, you always know it's your ego when you feel like this shouldn't have happened. That's how you know. It's like so, the self-defense mechanism, that anger. Immediately. Like kind of comes up. Immediately. It's like, this shouldn't have happened. This isn't the way I wanted it. That's the ego. Right. Right? So like, for instance, like I went through, I go through breakups. And when I go through breakups, I like, people say to me, are you over the breakup? I'm like, I'm good. They're like, why? I'm like, because I spoke to my ego. The thing is, don't let your ego, like, think of your ego as a wise child if it's in the higher place and a, and a dysfunctional temper tantrum child if it's in the temper tantrum child if it's in the lower place. No one, whatever it may be, you have to give guidance to your ego. So if my ego is acting out about something, I like when I had my breakup, I just simply was like, look, sweetheart, um, I know you feel like you've put a lot of investment, you put a lot of time, you put a lot of energy, <laughs> and I get it, sweetheart. But here's the thing. Look at how much happier you, 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 you're going to be. You get to make your own decisions now. You don't have someone getting angry and flipping out around you anymore. You, 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 this is your time to be fully embraced and knowing that I love you and we get to have so much fun together. All of a sudden, it was one day after that relationship, half in that one day, in that half a day, I had a conversation with my ego, never felt the pain of that relationship again. My father died last year. My sister went berserk. She was like, ah, I said, that's because you're holding attachment. Me, I was like, blessing. I did a ritual. I spent one day, I grabbed the bucket. I had my, um, I got on my mattress. I had my tissue. I cried. I screamed. I told my ego, okay, we're, we're, it's fine. It's time. He had to go on to other places. He's not gone. He's just changed form. We're all good. All of a sudden the ego was like, great. Thank you for sharing that with me. Gone. So question totally off topic. So when your dad passed, knowing it was complicated with him, but I know you've done so much work clearly mm -hmm. and there's a lot of acceptance. Was that, even though it took you like a day to process it, was it harder for you than you thought? Did anything come up because of what your relationship yeah, was? Yeah, in that one past? day. And that one day I like cursed out, like screamed, beat the mattress, threw up in a bucket. Yeah. You know, I went there. Yeah. You know, I was like, how dare you? Da, 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 da. And he was standing in the Were room. Were you surprised and by anything that came up for you? Were there no. things that you're like, I actually thought I had moved on? and, and like, No, oh. because if something shows up, I don't go into that that arrogance of I thought I figured this out. Right. You're just like, oh, yeah, there. this isn't this isn't um, this isn't me trying to trump myself. You know, this right. is me embracing what's being what's showing up. And a lot of times people will come to me and say, I'll bring up something with them that spirit and my ancestors want me to bring up with them. And they'll be like, I already worked on that. I'm like. Uh, <laughs> you worked on it in your mind. You haven't fully transformed it through your spirit. So let's look at that. And then, then they, and then finally, when they get through the whole treatment with me, they're like, oh my God, you're so right. I didn't work on that completely. And I was like, it's not about working on anything. It's about embracing it, accepting it, and understanding it. Right. A lot of times people don't understand that the whole key element of something actually becoming a part of your life or not becoming a part of your life. Someone gives you wisdom, you either, it becomes a part of your life in the way you live your life and part of your lifestyle or doesn't become part of your lifestyle is acceptance. You're either accepting it as truth and therefore you're, you're shifting into that new energy and awareness or you're not accepting it and it sits in limbo and it waits for you to digest it. That's why the stomach and gut health is so important because if you're not digesting things um, in the universe because you can't tolerate it or see it, I guarantee you, you're having digestive problems in your, in your I mean, body. I say that all the time. Like I had the worst stomach issues that 
miraculously went away once I finally got a divorce. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I knew it. I, I was like, that. and every time people ask me about it, I'm like, no, it's because that was the one truth I was really unwilling to understand and see and process. Like I was just struggling with it. That too. And also you're an empath. I read your file just now. And so you're, <laughs> you're an empath. And being an empath means that you were taking in the energy uh, echoes from that person that they didn't want to deal with. So as oh, they yeah. were like in the space of you, of being around you, you were like, oh, but you can work on this. You can work, like you saw all the things that they needed to change in themselves, but they didn't want to see that. They just wanted the blame game. So what happened was you went into your empathic ability and said, well, if you're not going to do it, I'll do it for you. And you pulled it into your body and it went right into your core. And that's the reason why it was the way it was. When the lesson in your life, which is always, which shows up in your files, is that you don't owe anyone anything. Yes, that's been a big lesson of me learning to actually just give a shit about me. <laughs> yeah, that's why I call selfish is the new self-love. Well, actually, that's I want to get there too because that's funny. I actually wrote that question down. Is So how do you differentiate from being selfish, self-love? And then I'm going to throw a little twist in that. Mm -hmm. Narcissism. Right. So narcissism is the idea that you are greater than and it's all about you and the world revolves around you and everyone's an extension of you. Selfishness and as the new self-love is realizing that you're no good to anyone if you are not filling your vessel, replenishing your well of goodness, of love and healing and transformation and whatever it is that you need to replenish and making sure that, you're, that you have the sustenance for yourself so that when you go to pour into other people, you don't pour in with the expectation they should pour back into you. You see, if nature thought that way, we'd all be dead. Right. Right. So nature, not naturally in its in its essence of, 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 of its creation, pours into us every single day by letting the sun come out, by bringing the wind, by bringing the water, by bringing the rain, by bringing the, all of the things you see in nature are constantly giving us sustenance. If it didn't pour into us every day, we would be dead. Why do we as human beings think it's okay for us to hoard, hold on, resist, and be stubborn, which is also a form of resistance, we are limiting the other people on the planet who are going to suffer because we're supposed to keep pouring into each other and pouring back into ourselves, pouring back into another person, pouring back into ourselves. And this is what creates the plentiful act. This is what allows us to be abundant. That's what true abundance is. And so... So when we get into understanding selfish is the new self-love, it goes back to that whole thing when you're on an airplane, which is you can't put someone's oxygen mask before you put your own oxygen mask on. It's the same thing. And women have the most challenging time at this because they were taught and lied to that the value of their love of giving and nurturing and providing for others to be happy is the reward they should return back from, from those giving back to them. But when those don't give back to them, they get empty, drained tired they feel like they become bitchy annoyed agitated not because they that's their natural of uh, their energy they're just they're and they're running on fumes and now someone's asking for something else so if you gave so the, the the old adage is the woman who lives in the village gave to the man for his horses the other person was a traveler passing by she gave water from her well for for that man the horse person the other person said oh you know my children would like to have some water from your well if possible so that we, we need it for for them to bathe and so she gave it to the children and then this day comes where she needs the water for herself and she goes to her well and it's dry okay. yeah. and now someone's coming to her as she sees the empty well and says i need your water and she's like, I don't have any freaking water. <laughs> and that's the end the energy that women have been playing out for such some time because mothers, 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 mothers have been passing yeah. down this incorrect way of self-preservation. 
So you said something else in there, which, of course, obviously you have to fill your own well up in order to give to others. But you said something else in there about expectation of women giving with the expectation of getting back. Is there, which I actually totally relate to, not even consciously, but very subconsciously. And how do you recommend detaching from the expectation of you know, just giving to give or doing what you need to do? Because I think if you lose the expectation things would actually be a lot easier. Well, of course it is. You know, like my aunt said something to me once where, you know, when I was really young, cause she's an opera singer and I, she was, she was rehearsing on stage with um, Pavarotti and they were, and I said, <laughs> what it's like for, what is it like, Auntie, for you to sing in front of all these people? And she said, darling, she started laughing. She says, darling, darling, she wears her turban and she's very diva. And she says, darling, I don't sing for the people. I sing for myself and they get to enjoy it. <laughs> and when she said that, it made sense because I'm not a shaman for the, just, I'm a shaman of the people, yes, but I'm not a shaman just because of the people. Right. I'm a shaman to myself by being up to myself, which by being in that space with myself, I'm able to give to others so they get to experience it. So if I'm making shoes, let's say I'm a shoemaker and someone comes and steals my shoes, I don't care. I'm a shoemaker. I'm going to keep making shoes. Like if I, when I take my friends out to dinner and I'm like, I got the whole table, everyone. And I, one thing that just irks me more than anything is when a friend goes, I'll get you back next time. I'm all, do you realize how insulting that is? Like that you can't just receive what you manifested, which is for me to take care of the whole table. Right. I didn't take care of the whole table because, because, I, I, want to get because I want you to give it back. I'm taking care of the whole table because I'm abundantly giving and pouring out of my vessel because I'm pouring back into my vessel, which you may not know what I'm doing and how I'm pouring back in my vessel, but I'm giving to you. So just receive and learn that doesn't, there's no strings attached. you know. And I always tell people like, when I create relationships with people, it has to be authentic. I give to you because I choose to give to you, not because I expect something in return. And if you never give to me, I'm okay because That's it's right. my choice to give to you. That's why it's when people my are like, oh, to that stick person. around as long as I want to. Exactly. It's me. my right. choice. When people go, oh, that person used me. I'm like, no, 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 no. You let them. You didn't even get used. They were just being in a state of give, of taking and you were in a state of giving without taking conscious responsibility. And now you're going to call them a user? But that goes back to what we were talking about before, which I want to hit on a little more of just your perception of things and how you choose to look at the world and how you make choices. So again, like how can you get people to start switching the way they actually look at the, the facets of who they are and situations in their lives? Well, first of all, they have to understand the, the, the foundation of where that comes from, right? So the foundation is that when you come to earth, you're, you're not governed in the idea that someone's asking you why you're here and welcoming you to planet Earth and then creating a container for you to explore all types of things and saying, I'll support you when you find that which is most suitable. You come to Earth on a slave planet that is based on a system that needs to be maintained. And so they're taking as many of the available slaves. So they give you a small amount of time to be a kid. Then they transfer you into the process of your manipulation. So you go into an institution that's teaching you about competition and having to be smart and having to take the test and having to understand the rules. And if you don't do this, you don't get love. And if you do this, you get rewarded. And so there's this rewarding system and there's this you know idea of like you don't get rewarded if you don't do this. So people start immediately creating the duality of I can't live my truth and I can't be who I really am because that's not okay for my parents or that's not okay for my authority figures or the guardians who are watching me or my grandparents or whoever it may be. So you start off becoming a liar onto yourself. So that's the first key. The first key is understanding why they feel this 
beating up attack upon them is they're beating up on themselves because they're creating this idea of what they think they should be. Now, once you understand that, that, that component of, okay, now I understand where it comes from. I understand that the reason why I'm being hard on myself, the reason why I'm not, I'm being so distant from the part of myself that wants to really dive in and look at the things that I'm doing that are in, that are in balance is that I operate from a belief that pain has to be the motivator for me. Pain has to be the thing that actually illuminates me to change. When love is more powerful than pain being that motivator. Love is a symphony of truth that invites you into a space of realizing that self-love is, the idea that someone has to build self-love in themselves is an illusion. They already love themselves. You know, I told a woman, she goes, I don't love myself. I do. You go, darling, you do. Why did you choose to wear that dress? She said, because I thought it would feel good in me and I like the colors and this. I said, yes, but if someone told you to take that off in the street because they hated it and they thought it was ugly, would you then trash it and take it off? She goes, of course not. I go, so why can't you take that small little event and multiply it by millions to how you feel about your own life and when you deal and make decisions? She goes, oh my goodness, I had no idea. You want to take off the shirt if someone came up to you, but you would then like all of a sudden change yourself and like hide that you're a spiritual person because you're from your husband or from or your friends or your family because you're afraid of ridicule. It's the same ridicule. The only person who can ever ridicule you is you. So when you get into realizing that you already love yourself, now it's about enhancing the love for yourself. So the love is already there. And now you're just lifting it up to levels and it's always going to get lifted to levels. Even me right now, I have so much love for myself, but I'm lifting it higher and higher and higher and higher. Every day I find new ways to fall in love with myself. So the thing is, is that when you get into this place of realizing that everything is for the purpose of you to go higher, I call it becoming superhuman, go higher into the evolution of accepting what evolution is. Evolution doesn't have to be painful. Evolution can be pleasurable. It can be orgasmic. It can be joyful, but it's all based again on the fact that you realize that you don't need to hammer yourself in order to see change. Where do you struggle? Like what's your Achilles heel, like in the world of evolution? Like, what do you still struggle with? Or what are the things that you're like, I know I should be working on, but I'm still like, where do you fall down? What's the the human side of the I struggle. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That's a good question. I struggle in um, human boundaries. I have no awareness of why humans create so many boundaries. And I have to like constantly keep going in and going, okay, let me pull my boundaries. Let me get into my space of realizing that, you know, I can't just go out and touch people whenever I want. Like, because I'm a love being. So I just want to love on people. But some people don't want that, you know, and I have to respect that. And I have a, a challenging time respecting that those things are even necessary to respect. So my thing is really learning about the adaptation of my relationship with human beings and then realizing that that part of my being, which is the ET side of me, finds it very interesting and funny that human beings have to shake hands and do all of these different things. So I struggle with honoring people's boundaries. How has it gotten you in trouble before? Oh, I mean, (laughs) God. Uh, walking on the street, just going up to someone, putting my arms around them. You know, they're like, why are you touching me? What are you doing? You know, um, sometimes it works. One time I went up to this girl in, in New York and she was like going, talking on the phone to her man. And I just went up and put my arms around her and she's like, excuse me. And I was like, baby, listen, 
the man you're talking to and arguing with, you already know he doesn't show up for the baby. So why are you <laughs> arguing with him? And she's like, you're right. Why am I wasting my time? He's doing the same thing. He's always going to do the same thing. You're actually trying to, you think yelling him is actually changing him. You're just making him want to do it again. And she's like, oh my God. She goes, who are you? But then some people are like, don't touch, like, who are you? You touched me. What is that? That's weird. Da, 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 da. The shaman's being sexual with me. And it's not about that. It's about the fact that I'm just a person who loves people. I love every finger, every toe, every, every, every part of you. So that's one of the issues that I, I struggle with. It's been a very challenge for me. Another one that I struggle with and being challenged with is really learning how to take my, um, my energy and pull myself away from everything and be comfortable being pulled away from everything and being that hermit without thinking in my head that I, because I have these abilities, I really need to be there supporting people. Cause I, I have a tendency to, to burn myself out. I'll be in a country and we'll have like the coup happening and the war is going and whatever. And I'm like knocking on my neighbor's door. Like, do we have everything you need? Cause you know, cause Erdogan's creating this craziness right now. We got to deal with this and we got to deal with that. But I'm, everyone's like, just relax, sir. Just relax. So for me, it's like, I remember when in the beginning we started talking and you were like, I've got really better at taking vacations. Yeah. I haven't, I, I'm, I'm not there yet. And um, doesn't mean that I'm not going to be there yet. I haven't digested it into my being as a, as a, and the other one for me is sex. I am a very sensual, sexual person. Um, but also at the same time, it's also for me to acknowledge, like, because for me, it's about consciousness and connection. And I'm a quadruple Scorpio. I have a high sex drive. So there's this battle that happens over me. Sometimes I just want to be like the guy who just goes out and just like, yeah, I'm going to have crazy sex. And then the other guy, part of me is just like, but this, those people aren't really conscious. So I don't know if I really want to share my connect, body right. with them. I can't connect with them. And it's like all day long. It's like. So you're literally like your feminine and masculine are very combined there. <laughs> oh, my, I'm, I'm a composite being. Yeah, yeah. I'm very 50 feminine and I'm very 50 masculine. I'm very open. I don't put labels on myself. Someone can come to me if love is present and energy and connection. Because to me, what turns me on is conversation. That if I don't get turned on just by what people look like. I... I have this belief of leaning into my aversions. Like I remember I had an issue with, you know, wanting to sleep with a woman that was overweight or be with someone who was, you know, o o o o overweight. And I was like, well, if I have an issue with it, I better go do it. So I'm not, I'm that kind of guy. Like I had a fear of heights. And so I decided to jump out of an airplane, Right. you know? Exactly your fears. Yeah. So I'm very like lean into my aversion type person. But what I, what I, what I've been struggling is understanding more and more that, that part of that urge inside of me that becomes very primal. I'm very jaguar and I have this very primal side of me that just wants to devour and be like, <laughs> grab the person and just like, just, you know, I mean, like visions. So of, is it hard for you to find a partner? Do you um, want, do you even want a partner? Like, is that what you're looking for? And I'm not looking. I'm if not, it comes, you'll, you're. I, yeah, it's, yes, it's, yes. If you're, if you're, the answer to your question is it is hard for me to find a partner. When I use the word hard, let's change the word from hard to it's challenging. You're dating a shaman. All the relationships <laughs> in the past, they were like, oh God, because it's a lot. I'm, I am high maintenance. Mm -hmm. And then Sam can be my assistant who's in the studio here. I can tell you, <laughs> he, he lets me know about it all the time, which I'm okay with it. I'm right. like, he calls me high maintenance. I'm like, you're right. I am. Yeah, absolutely right. right. I'm a person who, I'm, I'm a strange bird. I'm not the kind of bird that you're going to be used to. I'm a very strange bird. You might wake up one second, go to bed with me. I remember I had this girlfriend and she woke up. I chopped down the neighbor's uh, uh, rose bush 
and put flowers all over her body. You know, you don't know what I'm going to do. I'm a strange bird. One second, you might see me one way. And next second, you might be talking to a little boy who's playing with his action figures on the floor. You might be talking to an ET who's sitting there like, you know, channeling new energies. That's what makes me Shaman Durek. And, and so for people who want that very conventional type of like relationship where there's like a home and the, you know, you build a life and you do all this and da, da, da. I'm not that person. Right. I get in the house and I'm like, Oh, there's a war happening in Israel. Bye. Gotta go. Gotta be there for the people. They're like, but, but, but there's no buts. What relationship? And I know you say you don't look at a struggle and you process, but do you remember a relationship you struggled with the most, like either letting go of or, you know, any, do you remember anyone that for some reason, this is the wrong way of saying it. Like they left you and you were surprised or your heart all of a sudden you were just like, what the fuck? Like something just came out of uh, nowhere. No, no one's ever left me. I've always left them. Interesting. Yeah. And yes, it's been, there's been challenges with it, but at the same time, I'm like, I get excited about it. Cause I was like, you can't, I, this is what I've learned about relationships from my relationships. <laughs> Go for it. Okay. I'm not into compromising on any level. I believe that relationships should have no compromise. I've, well, I've helped so many of people who've come to me who used to compromise relationships become uncompromising and they've met their soulmate or their twin flame as people would call it. I won't compromise. I won't, if someone, if someone, if I go into a relationship, I was in one relationship, this person said to me, do you have to do this, these trance drummings in the morning? <laughs> I'm like, we're done. So, and do you expect compromise from the other person? Nope. Don't compromise or it's not authentic. I don't want to be the person who you choose to do things for when you don't really want to do it. Don't do it. Be you. And I'll be me. And we're not having a relationship. I believe in partnership. Right. We're going to partnership in health. We're going to partnership in, 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 in career. We're going to partnership in love. We're going to partnership in family. It's not a relationship. It's a partnership. If I can't show up for the person and be there to support what they love, what they enjoy, what they like, then you're not the person I want to be with. Right. And, and I'm not here to change you either. Right. And if you authentically live your own and you're doing exactly what you need to do when you need to do it, it either keeps going this way together or eventually it moves one way or the other. Yeah. So like I, I had a girlfriend sense. who said to me, she said to me, um, I'm going back home to Syracuse and like, there is this guy in Syracuse. We have a really strong connection. How do you feel if I sleep with him? I was like, let me think about that for a second. I wasn't thinking about it from the sense of like, oh my God, she wants to sleep with someone. I was thinking about it from the sense of, is this something that is comfortable for me? Right. And then I was like, oh, it doesn't really bother me that much. I still love you. If you feel like you need to go have that experience, who am I to say that you had a past life with this person and you have this connection and you want to experience this amazing experience? Go ahead, experience it, whatever it is. I don't have rules like that. Right. I don't live in the role of like, you have to remember Valentine's Day or you're not a good I person. Right. I don't have these weird rules. These are rules. I don't have, I always tell people, look, if you have to create rules in a relationship, then you should get to typing and type up a rule book. So every time you get in a relationship, <laughs> you just slide that book on over. Agrees or doesn't, right? You know, so that way people go, you, so you can be like, honey, I need you to read book this book um, before we start dating. So you can understand my rules. So because then what happens is you go, oh, look, page 22. I told you not to um, leave my place a mess and you <laughs> did. So you know what? I don't think you love me. You know, that's people play this games all day long. I'm not into games. What do you feel like out there thematically are you running? I feel like it changes a lot, but like in kind of talking about the greater consciousness, what do you feel like? you're running into a lot these days. Is there a similar theme of people coming in being like, I'm feeling this or I'm needing this? Is there something that is kind of rising to the like? Yeah, what this? I run into the most worldwide is people feeling 
disempowered by the circumstances of life. They feel like they don't know what to do, how to contribute. Um, it's, it's taking over their life. It's consuming them. And that they are sad. They're depressed. I deal with a lot, I mean, a lot of people wanting to commit suicide a lot. But I'm amazing at clearing up suicide and depression for people using spirit hacking. Um, Which we're going to do at the end of this episode. Yes, yes. The the core um, thing that I see with people is that they feel like a part of themselves is missing. And they don't know how to get it back because of something that's happening on the outside. Something that they haven't dealt with. You know, and it's interesting because in shamanism, we do call this time the blackout period. This is there. There is going to be 20 to 15 years of blackout until the golden dawn or what we call the awakening. And that means that everything that anyone has stuffed under the rug that's not put through the lens of love is going to show up and say hello. And that's what's happening right now. So people are starting to see the dirty laundry that they didn't clean. And I'm here to help them to know to 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 hack their spirit in a way that they can clean it faster and move through it quicker so they can get back to an easy and fun and playful life. And so what happens is is that people come in with this um, bombardment of aggressive energies that are affecting them in the world. And it's really not, it's them to the point of how they're perceiving and how they're treating themselves in that process. Most people come because they don't have coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. Drugs, alcohol, promiscuous sex. I mean, the list goes on. I have one woman who came to me and she just shops and shops and shops and shops and doesn't even use any of the things she shops for, but it makes her feel good because she's getting retail therapy over and over and over again. So I have to help her understand where that's coming from. How does that people come in who have eating disorders? People come in because they've created ulcers, they've created inflammation in their body. They women come to me because they can't get pregnant. So I help them to get pregnant. They get cysts in their ovaries. I mean, the list goes on. And what 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 I find is once I teach them that, once I return them back to their powers, like a woman came in today, I returned her back to power. She's like, I died today here in this session with you. You, 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 you take, you, you, you help me to die. I'm a new person now. That's what it's about for me. And would you say they're a new person or would you say they're just accessing who they are? No, I'd say they're a new person. So you feel like you can be too... Different people or? There are certain amount of spirits inside of your being. And once they are removed, the real you comes forth. The old you that was programmed by the matrix dies. Okay. I think this is, I mean, that makes sense. I think this is actually a really good time for the for you section, which is quick four questions. Just Chase the right ins- rabbit, I say. There you go. Um, inspirational teacher for you. I'm Martin Luther King. Uh, favorite documentary or movie? Dreams may come. Okay. Um, current obsession. Current obsession, OMAD. A food, drink, or an object you cannot live without? I can't live out without apple cider vinegar. By the way, that's one of the first things he asked for when he came in. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Because apple cider vinegar does so many amazing, wonderful things. It's like my go-to medicine, you know? Um, I I live an OMAD lifestyle, so... You know, apple cider vinegar is a huge importance for someone who lives an Oman lifestyle because it balances your blood sugar. It, um, it gets rid of metabolic waste. It's, um, it clears and makes your skin super soft. It, de- it deconstructs any type of um, incorrect uh, metabolism going on in your system, the way your body can digest. Uh, it cleans out all types of um, bacteria and energies in your system that are clogging up your body from having good proper digestion. Amazing. I mean, the list goes on. I mean, there's more than that. 
like a miracle. I love it. So just, I want to touch really quickly before we wrap up and before you do your, he's going to do kind of like a 10 minute spirit hacking, walk us through it, some of his magic um, for his personal practice. But so going back to a little bit of two people, the matrix and programming, is it still one soul or are you thinking different souls? Like, is it still one soul that's just been reprogrammed at different times and has to be found back to like, like it's home or... That's a good question. You ask really great questions, by the way. This is a great interview. Oh, thank you. Thank you. A lot of people don't ask me the questions you're asking me. So I find you to be very um, intelligent and very profound. The, I'll take it. Thank you. I'm, yeah. I'm blushing, but we don't know if that's the heat or if it's actual blushing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Your soul is God. Your soul is not a... Your soul, is the little girl inside of you play is playing like a little girl, but it's really God to see if you'll create a relationship with God within you through her. This is God's way of saying, if you love yourself, you love that little girl, you love that little boy, whatever you tell yourself, God will create for you. So if you say, I'm stupid, God, the little girl inside hears you and she waves her wand and all of a sudden your cells change and your, 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 your process of, of, you know, um, molecular structure changes and you start becoming dumbed down. So what human beings don't understand on earth yet is that they're creating everything. And that God is not Santa Claus. It's not rewarding the good and punishing the bad. It doesn't play in the world of duality. It doesn't even get involved. What it does is simply do one thing. It creates. As above, so below. It's word. Your word is your will. As you think, so it becomes. Everything is operating in this amazing, powerful creation. And that's why it's so important for how you speak to yourself, how you speak to others because you're either cursing them or you're lifting them and shifting them or you're acknowledging them to reach higher heights in their in the possibility of their being and what you speak out of your mouth. If you say something like, you know, it's so difficult, life is so difficult and I have a hard time doing this and you leave it as a blank statement, God will create exactly what you said. But if you say life has been so difficult and it's been so challenging, however, new energies are coming in, things are um, changing and new people are coming in and opportunities are showing up. Now you use creation in the right way. When you refer to God, what what are you referring to? Creation. Which is also within all of us. I mean, I, this is what I found out when I died when I was 28 years old. I went to the other side. and I know you have the most amazing story, which we didn't even touch on because I know it so much. And I know you've talked about it a lot. But to do it quickly, what I, how I want to connect it is, you know, we started by talking about your childhood, which was kind of rough and tough. Yet you always had shamanism as a background and in there. So in that sense. Well, yeah, sense, my grandmother chose me to be the next in line. And she's also my niece who's sitting here with my manager. She has powers too. All of them, all the bloodline of our family has powers. But... I was saying, but however, uh, some of us were chosen to um, enact them out in a way that makes us the next in line shaman. She has the ability to be the next in line shaman. You know that. Family told you. She has a lovely smile on her face right now. (laughs) (laughs) My nephew, he's, you know, he's showing me his powers. He shows me what he can do. And so he has the ability to, plus he can talk to the elders. But do you feel like because of like some of the shit that was happening in your childhood, when do you feel like there was a shift where either you accepted that or you were able to start looking at the world with the perspective you're talking about now, which you're teaching people to do? When for you personally, were you able to make that shift and why? So I lost my kidneys when I came back from the jungle, which I knew about my whole entire life. I didn't know it was gonna be my kidneys. Right, you knew I just something. know like Lakota elder shaman told me when we were in a sweat lodge doing Temescal that you're gonna you're gonna die a horrible death. I'm like, thanks. You know? <laughs> and I was in the Belizean jungle. I was working with two shamans in the jungle and then one medicine woman in Tobacco Keys. 
and she was putting the doing the sacred herbs that they do in the Brazil and um, I mean not Brazil but in um, Belize where they put it in the pot and the steam comes up and she looks at the steam and she can read the steam with her fingers and tells me and she says honey when you leave here you're going to die a horrible death and you're going to have to you can't stop it from happening you have to fully embrace it because this is going to take you to help the world you were 28 28 years old and so she's reading the smoke I'm like what is this this is what the smoke is telling you like is there anything else can you look and she says yes you're going to suffer for many years but after you're suffering you're going to be able to change the world in such a way that you're going to be traveling country to country you're going to be fighting for women's rights like she was very clear about everything soon as I left the jungle and came home I died I woke up one morning there was a spirit in front of me. It said, are you ready? I said, I'm ready. All of a sudden, I fell to the floor. My whole back was in pain. I was crawling on the floor, gasping for air. I pulled the, I couldn't stand up. So I pulled the cord where the phone is in my office on the floor and I scrambled to get it. I called my friend Marcus. Marcus rushed over as quick as he could. I was, I was watching the room slowly fade. He grabbed me, put me in the car. I was like, I'm so happy you're here. He said, we're going to rush you to, we're going to take you to, the, we're going to get you to, to a hospital gets in the car, my head smashed into the dashboard, smashed into the window. I had a, a seizure. I never knew what a seizure was. I don't know why I was smashing into anything, but it was like, <laughs> whatever, I was smashing, you know? And he basically, I guess I smashed so hard in my head that I literally like lost consciousness. I woke up in the ambulance on the way to Hollywood Presbyterian here in LA, rolls me in. Within a moment, I hear this sound, this this weird sound that got smaller and smaller and smaller. And all of a sudden, there was a woman standing in front of me. And she said, you're going to come to where we are. You can't fight. If you fight, you're going to be in more pain. Just let go. We're here to, to, to help you out of your body. She was very loving, very nurturing. She was glowing with beautiful energy. It felt so warm. All of a sudden, Marcus is like, where were you, man? Like, you were just zoning. And I was like, this woman said I was going to die. I've been told this my whole life. Marcus, he goes, you're not going to die. I'm going to get a nurse. I go, Marcus, please don't leave me. I go, I don't want to die alone. And he grabbed my hand. He goes, when is this going to happen? I said, within a couple of minutes. And um, he goes, how do you know it's going to happen? I said, my whole life I've been prepared for this. I'm going to die a horrible death. And I already know it. And I have to go through it. It's a part of my path as being a shaman. I have to go through this. I just don't want to be alone when it happens. I don't want to be alone. And he got, I started crying. So there was part of you that was, you were scared. I was, even when I talk about it right now, I feel the fear. You that still I feel felt. the fear. It was horrifyingly fearful. What was that? What did, what was that fear? A different feeling of fear than you've ever felt before? I've never felt that fear before. That fear was like, <sighs> If I was to just go into this feeling of what I'm feeling right now from that moment, it was like this battle going on inside. One side doesn't want to die. The other side knows it's dying and can't stop it. And it's like someone pushing you towards that death door. And you, you feel like you were like screaming inside. I was screaming inside. I placed please and not only screaming just because of the fear, but when the pain hit my body of the death feeling every organ in my body shut down one by one and how it felt inside in my body. It was so painful. My body started convulsing. My ball, my eyeballs started popping out. My lungs collapsed. I was banging on my throat to get oxygen. I couldn't get it. They took this thing. They, they poked a hole. If you can see the yeah, marks, you can yeah. see on the marks on my chest. So they were like jabbing me, trying to get into, you know, these, this, I, they, I felt the pain of them cut my chest and push this thing into my chest. And 
all that wasn't even the pain that I was paid for. The pain I felt was my organs shutting down one by one. My liver, my intestine, my stomach, everything was shutting down until it got to my heart. And that was the last one. And the pain was so unbearable. I was screaming in my head, make it stop. I'm scared. I'm scared. God, please make it stop. I changed my mind. I changed my mind. I don't want to be a shaman. I changed my mind. I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm scared. Please, 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 please. They couldn't talk. Right. I heard it in my thoughts. And at that point, were like your ancestors and the woman who were, were they communicating with you? Yes, let go. They kept saying it over and over. Let go, let go, let go, let go. But I'm a fighter. I can't let go. I fought my whole life. Right, right. I'm like, a, I'm a muscle to the, you know, I'm like, I'm a survivor, you know? And so then when you let it go and you did, like, what was the transition of coming back? From the point I, of me going to the other side and what I yes. experienced, or you want to know what I came back? Well, both, I guess. Like, if you were going to speak about it from the human perspective of someone sitting here, what was it as far as, like, timeline? What was it as far as... Well, I know how long I was dead for, because according to the hospitals, I was dead for four minutes and 20 seconds. Um, they actually told my parents that there's nothing they can do for me anymore, and they actually had not taken the EKG off of me. They, had, they were ready to, like, clean me up and so forth, and that's when they got the bleep. They went to go get this doctor named Dr. Agatep, Dr. Agatep came in and saw that there was a tiny bleep, so they started shocking me again. But they shocked me before they couldn't get any response. So they pronounced me dead. When they shocked me again, the bleep got came again and again. They shocked me again. Then they gave me an adrenaline rush, and they shocked me again, and my heart started coming back, as, with, as what he tells me. The, and then on the other side, for On the you. other side, I was in a dark, liquidy... First, first, when I first died, I, everything in the hospital, I could see everything from every angle. I could hear every conversation that someone was thinking in their head and what they were saying out loud. And I could feel every emotion that everyone felt around in that hospital. And I could see myself dead on the stretcher, that they were all doing everything they could to, to, re, to, re, to revitalize me or resuscitate me. After that, I ended up, my grandmother was there, my aunt was there. The woman came and told me, you know, that I had this next journey to go on. I went into this liquidy, oceany kind of thing. I all of a sudden I was standing in the hospital room watching my mom give birth to me while being in her stomach, experiencing the birth, while feeling her emotions, while feeling the doctor's emotions, while feeling his thoughts, by hearing his thoughts, hearing my mom's thoughts. You're just omnipresent. Uh, I could see everything and everything. At this point in your life, were you back in touch with your mom? Like, was she back in your life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I went and found my mom um, right after the woman took over my body. I want to go find my mom. Oh, interesting. So yeah. that's full circle. Yeah. So after that, I got to see all my life and how I affected every person and all of the things that I, um, that I did and every choice I made. And then I just got to this place where I just let it all go. And I went into this beautiful light. It was warm. And I remember it. It was like, I knew I was home. And I woke up on this beach, but I couldn't see a body. And then the woman came and said, what kind of body would you like? And I was like, the body I had before, and all of a sudden my hands appeared, my arms appeared, and I fought to touch my hands. There was no bones. There was no, because like what I feel right now is disgusting. Like, and that's a weird thing about being back that's in this body. I feel crazy things since when I died. I feel wetness and things crawling on me that I never felt on the other side. You feel like the body almost as like an entrapment at times versus... I feel like it's an organism that's breathing. I can feel my spores breathing. I can feel things crawling on me, like microisms. Mm-hmm. In my, like, oh, God, yeah. I feel bones. I feel hot and cold sensations. Like I feel like warm right here, but I feel cold on my shoulder. Right. Whereas there, everything was one temperature. 
it was the most beautiful place. Everything was wonderful. The grass was more greener, the mountains, the ocean felt different. It just washed you with love. I got to visit friends of mine who died. I got to visit my family. I got to visit other tribal members who came to meet me. I got to see all the realities of earth that exist. I got to see all the realities of me that exist. I didn't even realize that I was a quantum being living in other parts of the universe. I got to see all of it. It's beautiful. You know, and I got to um, meet other beings and I got to play and have fun. I got to eat. I didn't know there was food there that you can eat anything you want. (laughs) Um, You can sleep when you want. You can do anything you want. You can turn yourself into a sound vibration and bounce off each other. And that's what I did with with some of my friends while I was there. I felt like I was there forever. It felt like it. And then they came to me and said, you're welcome to stay if you want. It's your choice. And they told me what God was. They told me I had a, I asked them all these questions and they just laid everything out for me. They're like, God is everything you are right here. I said, you know, I don't want to stay here. I want to go back. And uh, they knew why. Because I knew that if I could bring this back to earth and let people know they're loved and let people know that they make it harder than it has to be and let people know that you don't need to be so dramatic and just lighten up and love and have fun and enjoy your life and think think in the way that creates the beauty in your life. Think for yourself, not against yourself. This can become heaven on earth. And I knew, they asked me, do you want me to erase your memory again? And I said, I said, why did we erase our memory? They said, so you can fully and take the experience of being in that embodiment on earth. But they said, if you don't, if we don't erase your memory, you're going to have this um, part of you that you're going to have to take responsibility for that's going to want to leave and want to stay, want to leave, want to stay, because you're going to remember everything. And I said, I'd rather go through that than have my memory erased. I want to remember this place and I want to share it with the world. And look, I love that. You, I love that we a, could have you here to talk about it because I think what we try and do here at the den is all about people just learning to love themselves and accept themselves no matter what that means and know that if they can do that, just the world does become a much easier place. So, I mean, it's so great to talk about it. I, I just, I feel like we've been talking forever and I promised you it wouldn't be forever. So no, it's okay. I would love to have you back because there's so many things off of that I would love to talk about just already creation and manifestation. I mean, there's so many things of just having that point of view can just, just spur. So I so appreciate you sharing your wisdom and your love with us. And thank you for your time, even though I know we don't fully believe in time, but thank you for the time that I you wanted gave to show us. you spear hacking. Yeah, well, I was about to say, so everyone, please keep here because he is going to do spirit hacking for us. And what do you think? It's about 10 minutes, just so people know. Oh, I just want to, sh- I'm going to show you and you can express what you're experiencing. Oh, great. Okay, let's okay. do it. Hey, so Shaman Dirk's actually coming to the den. We have a great event with him planned. It's going to be September 21st, 8 to 9.30. Check us out. Go to www.denmeditation.com for all information or to sign up for your space. Again, September 21st, Shaman Dirk at the den. Let's have you start with your hand. We'll start with your hand. It's a simple way I teach my students. And I want you to say, I pull electricity. I pull electricity. From the spirit world. From the spirit world. Into my hand. Into my hands. So that I can feel on my skin. So I can feel on my skin. Right now. Right now. Tell me what you're feeling. I mean, right from the beginning, I just felt like like a ball, like I'm holding something. Mm-hmm. Do you feel any sensations? It's tingly. Good. So I feel tingly. I feel tingly. And I feel the ball. And I feel the ball. Increase it. Increase it. 
What it's do you getting, feel now? It feels heavier without being heavy. I don't know if that makes sense. I mm-hmm. definitely feel like it's bigger, but it's not like weighing my hand down. And I feel like it's starting to creep around the sides. And can you feel this? What is the sensation you feel? It's still tingly, but there's a little bit more pulsing happening. Good. So say I feel the tingling. I feel the tingling. Move it up my arm. Move it up my arm. Now what do you feel? I feel like it's as if the pulsing went more up like my veins. It's like in the middle of my forearm. Good. Say, I feel it going up my forearm. I feel it going up my forearm. Move it into the synapsis that brings joy into my body. Move it into the synapsis that brings joy into my body. And expand joy and laughter through my being. And expand joy and laughter through my being. What makes me smile? Mm-hmm. Um, it's great. It's it's funny. It's something I want to talk to. It is a feeling that I love when I connect to it, which I don't feel like you can. I don't connect to every single second. It's like a light vibration all over my body and in my throat. It feels like it's vibrating in a heavier way. Say, Heavy is not the right word. Uh-huh. But say, stronger. Say increase it. Increase it and expand the synapses for more joy and release dopamine in my brain. Increase it and expand the synapses for more joy and bring dopamine to my brain. Release dopamine. Release in my brain. dopamine in my brain. I was about to say, I feel like we're getting married and I'm forgetting our vows. That's okay. <laughs> now, what do you feel? I feel it more in my head. I still feel it everywhere. It's all the same sensations, but I definitely, I definitely want to smile. I keep wanting to smile. Mm -hmm. You're changing the molecular structure of your cells by using spirit hacking, and you're changing and opening up the synapses that allows joy and frequency, which is one of the ways I I help people with depression and sadness. Now, let's take it one step further. Say, I open up a stargate above my head with this power. I open up a stargate above my head with this power. And I pull into the dimension where electricity resides in the spirit world. I pull into the dimension of electricity. And I pull into the dimension of electricity. And I shock my body at 100. And I shock my body at 100. I mean, part of the reason I didn't hear you is because I had a, like, I jolted before. Because you you opened the gate. You opened the gate already. Yeah. Now say, increase it and shock me at 200. Increase it and shock me at 200. Feel that? Yeah, I mean, it's like a lovely feeling. Like I feel my chest is really happy. I mean, happy is the, probably the best way I can say can it. Can you feel the electricity passing through your body? Yes. I feel like I have a very, a nice line of energy flowing. It's very smooth. Great. Now say, close, close your eyes. Say, take me to the circle of rocks. Take me to the circle of rocks. Use the power to transport me there. Use the power to transport me there. Good. Now say, open up my ability to see in the spirit world with full spectrum. Open up my ability to see in the spirit world full spectrum. Good. Now look beyond the rocks and tell me who you see. I see a woman who... I've seen before, who's like a very old, hunched over 
I can never describe her well. Like it always says like medicine woman-y and I think that's an easy way to go. That's okay. Description, but she's like old, long hair, hunched over, big chest. <laughs> okay, good. And she's old. Okay. So now you see her. Okay. Say, open the doorway to the other side. Open the doorway to the other side. Now what do you see? It was like, it's bright and beautiful. That's right. Good. Now say, I call forth my ancestors from my family on the other side to step through. I call forth my ancestors from the other side to step through. Who do you see? I see more light, more than a person. Say, increase my ability to let go of my fear of seeing who's come through. Increase my ability to let go of my fear fear to to see who's going to come through. Now, what do you see? I see it's still a light, but as a different color. It's more like dark pinks and purples and reddish, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it's that's a really comfortable color. Keep looking at the light. And weirdly, I know this sounds silly, it's almost like a wizard hat, like if you were a child. Okay. Say who's coming through the light. Who's coming through the light? What did you hear? It's like grandfather keeps coming through. That's right. Say, I increase my power to see the full spectrum of who's here with me. I increase my power to see the full spectrum of who's here with me. Now what do you see? I saw more, um, not specific faces, but like... Other faces? It's like a line. Like it's like just a... It's not a room, so that's not the right way to describe it. But it's just, if it were a room, it's like really crowded. Those are your ancestors. Now, say, grandfather, are you here with me? Grandfather, are you here with me? What did you hear? Yes. Say, is it really this easy to connect if we use these powers? Am I asking that? Yeah, ask him. Is it really this easy to connect if we use these powers? Yes. Say, can you send me energy so I can feel it? Can you send me energy so I can feel it? To feel that? Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Mm Mm-hmm. Say, could you build a bridge to me? Can you build a bridge to me? Good. Say, do you have a message for me? Do you have a message for me? Is that keep going? Good. Say, is everyone always with me? Is everyone always with me? Yes. And if I have a relationship with you, ancestors, can you not make things happen in this world? 
if I have a relationship with you, ancestors, can you help make things happen in this world? Yes. And isn't that why we should all have a relationship with our ancestors? And isn't that why we should all have a relationship with our ancestors? Yes. Good. Is there anything else you want to say to your ancestors? If not, tell it to transport you back fully into this dimension. Notice the rocking of your bodies because you're passing through stargates right now and your body is responding to the energy frequencies coming through. That is why your body is doing that right now. So go ahead when you're done. Transport me back to, how, how did you say it? Back into this dimension. Back into this dimension. Where my body is. Where my body is. Well done. Thank you. That That's one beautiful. form of spirit hacking, but you can spirit hack pain. You can change your, you can download. If you want to be a Reiki master, you can go to the to the files in the spirit world, to all the different healing techniques, and you can download them into your being. You can center them into different atoms of your being and therefore access these powers. This is the old way. You don't need plant medicine. You can download the plant medicine into your body. I have people who will lay down and they'll down, they want a certain plant medicine experience. They download it into their body and all of a sudden their body starts going through all the experiences. We have power beyond power, my dear. What we are doing with the things we see is on a small scale of what we can be, what we can actually do. And this is such a frontier for us to embark upon. This is one of the reasons why I came back was to show people that magic is real. Dentox is produced by Michael Burke, Mike Burns, Reem Edon, Nicole Rappi, and music by Alex Fetter.